Live from the WTAD studios in the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, it's time to pull up a chair and assemble today's WTAD News Roundtable. For the Monday edition of the News Roundtable. Good morning. My name's Quaid. And uh, numbers, numbers. And remember last week we were like, where's the numbers, JB? He found them. Uh, actually, the uh, Illinois uh, government uh, put out uh, a memo to hospitals saying, here, give us these numbers. And ickety ackety oop, uh, the governor had some new numbers for everybody on Friday, which is a good thing. Gives us a little bit better idea of what's going on uh, around the state when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, locally, we've seen our numbers jump uh, over the last few days uh, here in Adams County. Uh, it'll be interesting moving forward uh, if we'll get additional numbers from the governor, because there is still one area that has an incomplete number under it, and I'll uh, share that with you coming up on the back half of the show. Plus, what uh, Governor Pritzker says maybe he'll still do. He's still got some moves uh, at his disposal uh, to tamp down the virus spreading. What could those be? We'll talk about that as well coming up on the back half of the show. But first things first, in with all the latest from the WTAD newsroom, say good morning to Scott Hardy. Good morning, Quade. Good morning, everybody. The Adams County Health Department says it's learned of four new cases of COVID-19 that aren't related to each other or the other three earlier cases. The department announced the new results Sunday, saying they include a woman in her 40s, two men in their 50s, and a woman in her 70s who is currently in Blessing Hospital. A statement from the health department says none of the newly announced cases have any links to one another, nor to any of the three previously announced cases. It adds those new cases demonstrate the continued community spread of COVID-19, both in Adams County and in other places. The health department says the virus is spread through contact with other people and that the best way to avoid exposure is to avoid unnecessary activities in public places. That includes shopping, which they say should be planned in a manner that reduces risk, including only having one family member shop when possible, limiting time in the store to a minimum, using online order options when available, and social distancing. They add that employing those strategies along with frequent hand washing and wiping down all areas you touch are the best measures of reducing individual, family, and community risk. Missouri Governor Mike Parson's stay-at-home order for the state is now in effect. It went into effect at 12.01 this morning and will remain in place through Friday, February 24th. Parson announced the order Friday afternoon at his daily COVID-19 briefing in Jefferson City. It's similar to Illinois' stay-at-home order issued last month and says that all schools will now be closed through the 24th. It also mandates that non-essential businesses close and says essential businesses like grocery stores, gas stations, and banks can stay open. Parson had been receiving mounting criticism for not issuing the order earlier and had even been asked last week by a statewide group of doctors to do so. A Northeast Missouri service agency says it too will start offering telemedicine and curbside clinics. The Northeast Missouri Community Action Corporation says it's encouraging clients of its family planning and WIC programs to stay at home. 
For those who feel like they must keep their appointments, which were made earlier, new guidelines are in place. NECAC says clients will be evaluated by telephone before appointments are kept or made. Any who show symptoms of the virus will be asked to stay at home and contact a health care provider. NECAC says so far no one's been turned away. Family planning medications are being administered curbside only. The WIC program will continue to serve clients and enroll new participants, but everyone should call first. Vouchers for food will still be distributed, and WIC participants may choose from expanded food options to help address shortages brought on by the outbreak. Authorities in Hannibal continue to investigate the cause of a fatal fire Saturday. KHQA's Melissa Shriver has more. An investigation is underway after a fire in America's hometown this weekend. First responders tell KHQA the fire is thought to have started just before 6.45 a.m. on Saturday. Fire officials say while the house at 609 Hayden Street in Hannibal was technically vacant at the time with no electric or gas supplied to the property, one person was inside the home and died in that fire. That person has not been identified as of yet. Fire crews say they got the fire under control in about 20 to 25 minutes. Up to 50 small businesses may be approved as early as Wednesday for a $10,000 loan from the city of Quincy to help ease the economic pain of the shutdown caused by the virus. Mayor Kyle Moore said recently here on WTAD that the local help is easier to access and can be put in business owners' hands more quickly than state or federal aid. We understand that there's probably some state and federal aid that uh, are available to them, uh, but one, the state and federal aid may not be approachable. Uh, you know, long forms and, and something they've never done before. So we wanted to have a very approachable uh, program where it's two pages. That's all you need to fill out. Um, it's an 18-month loan at 1%. The first six months is a grace period, and you can get up to $10,000 to help to help pay for things like your mortgage or lease. Uh, let's say that you purchased a lot of inventory a day before uh, the the closure and, and you've got some debt on that, or perhaps that you want to keep people employed. This can help you with that. More calls relief, a bridge loan to help businesses survive until the pandemic is over. City of Quincy's engineering department says that Jefferson Street between 11th and 12th Streets in Quincy is closed until 3 p.m. tomorrow afternoon for pavement repairs. You're asked to drive carefully near the work zone. You'll also need to use an alternate travel route until then. Drivers in Lewis County will see work on a busy road continue through the upcoming week. The Missouri Department of Transportation says its crews are doing edge rut repairs all this week. They say that will temporarily impact traffic on Missouri 6 in Lewis County. That road is down to one lane from Route J to Route Double D between 7 a.m. and 3 p.m. each day. They're, they say that uh, you'll need to use caution when traveling through the work zone there. MoDOT says westbound traffic on U.S. 36 in Shelby County is delayed due to road work. MoDOT says all this week, weather permitting, their crews will be doing concrete work on westbound U.S. 36 there. The road will be down to one lane from a mile west of Marion County Route K to Shelby County Route Z. There will be a 12-foot width restriction in place, and the work will be done each day between 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. A Quincy man convicted in the 2015 shooting death of Carlos Wire Sr. has had a hearing on two 2019 cases delayed a month. Stephen Gavin was due to be in Adams County Circuit Court today for status hearings on counts possessing a weapon in a penal institution and intimidation. Records show that on Friday those hearings were delayed to May 5th. Gavin will also be sentenced that day after being convicted in January on three counts of first-degree murder. That was after his first trial ended in a hung jury in February 2019 after 13 hours of deliberation. Gavin was convicted of shooting wires in his North 4th Street home in November 2015 and a disagreement over the price of a drug sale. He's also alleged to have had a homemade knife in his cell last April 27th, which was found during an inspection 
And he's also accused of telling Adams County jailers in early May 2019 that he'd kill any inmate who was put in his cell. Gavin's pleaded not guilty to those charges. He remains in the Adams County Jail. And a Quincy man already convicted of assaulting a Quincy girl who uh, later died near Springfield will go on trial today for a charge from the incident that led to her death. Gage Patterson is set to go on trial in Sangamon County Circuit Court on one count of violating an order of protection. He was charged after an incident that led to the death of Kaylee Mahochko. Patterson's accused of being in a vehicle with Mahochko the night she died last August. That car she was driving ran into a pond at Rail Golf Course in Sherman, Illinois. Patterson allegedly was in the passenger seat of that car when it went into the lake but was able to escape. He's already serving an 18-year prison sentence after pleading guilty late last month to counts of domestic battery and a Class X count of home invasion as part of a settlement with Adams County prosecutors. In return, three other Class X counts, including home invasion and two counts of armed violence, were dropped. Patterson admitted his part in a late July 2019 incident where he battered Mahachko. That's a look at the latest in local news. Of course, we'll have more for you throughout the afternoon right here on WTAD.com and on our social media, including both Twitter and Facebook. All right. So none of the four cases announced yesterday are attached in any way to A, each other, or B, to the previous three cases that have uh, popped up. They found no links between any of them. So this is not family or... Or a co-worker situation, people were questioning over the weekend. We, we had the, the news uh, late last week about the parties uh, in the north part of the county, and then a week later uh, here uh, closer to, to Quincy. So none of that was, that wasn't the community spread, at least at this point in time. At least at this point in time. That's according to the health department. Now, we may see more community spread as a result of those parties, with which the third individual attended both of those who had COVID-19. But as for these four new cases, no, these are all separate instances of community spread, meaning it's out there, people have it, they may be asymptomatic, but they have it in but the But they're track. passing it along, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you very much, sir. It's 1016. We'll take a time out. When we come back, the new numbers from Illinois. Uh, yes, it's what we're looking for. Finally, and but we're still missing one important number. And what may Governor Pritzker do next as the, the numbers continue to rise? Details when we come back on the News Roundtable. WTAD. Man. Very distinct voice of the newly late Bill Withers, who passed away Friday. Yeah. Age of 81. 81. Yep. One of the great ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We were talking last week about how you pick out a, a guitarist style, if you listen to it enough, or the way they play. Voices. You know a voice exactly when you hear it, and Bill Withers had one of those distinctive uh, voices that when you heard it, you immediately locked in on it and went, I know who that is. Uh, yes, 81 uh, on Friday uh, when he passed. He did not pass from coronavirus. No, no, no. Heart-related, yeah. 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 
And that wasn't a, a complication. No. Of that. All right. Uh, thank you very much. 1021, welcome back to the News Roundtable Talk Radio 930 WTAD. You'll remember over the last uh, week plus, uh, there's been a growing noise uh, about getting more information, more numbers from uh, the state governments. In fact, uh, ProPublica put out a national piece about it last week. And finally, on Friday, uh, Governor Pritzker uh, decided or got finally the information that uh, people had been asking for. Uh, the Department of Public Health uh, sent out uh, a directive uh, last Thursday to hospitals across the states. And ickety eckety oop, on Friday, Governor Pritzker had numbers, uh, actual numbers of uh, people who had been hospitalized because of coronavirus. Uh, numbers uh, also about uh, how much how much uh, people were in the hospital with COVID-19 versus how many people were already there anyway, uh, so that there wouldn't be a blurring of these numbers. These are welcome numbers, and uh, Illinois, if not the last, one of the last in the states to start including these numbers. However, one number uh, does still seem to be missing, and that is uh, what about uh, the number of people who have recovered? That is still uh, not included in the statewide uh, numbers of hospitalizations. But it is uh, good to see that uh, numbers on hospitalizations, bed capacity, ventilator availability uh, is now a part of what we'll be getting day to day from the governor and his uh, daily uh, press conferences. Uh, really, up until now, these uh, numbers that have been shared were just a reflection of, well, a whole lot more testing uh, had been going on. And, of course, if you're going to have more testing, you're going to have more positive results, uh, regardless of what percentage that is. Um, but interestingly, as Mark Glennon points out at uh, Wirepoints, uh, preventing an overload of uh, uh, people in ICU beds and hospitals is the whole point of flattening the curve. He says, most importantly, the number of hospitalized victims is a better indication of how many are at risk of dying. So if you look at those numbers that have been shared, uh, you have COVID-19 patients in ICU equaling 935. The interesting number there, that's 35% of ICU beds in use. There are still over 800 ICU beds open in the land of Lincoln. Uh, ventilators, uh, total number 2,543. Uh, ventilators being used, just over a thousand, so there's, we're not even to 50% of ventilators being used. There are 666 ventilators currently being used by COVID-19 patients. These are, these are worthwhile numbers to get out, uh, into the mix and into the conversation. Um, percentage of hospital beds occupied by COVID-19 patients right now, 18% in the land of Lincoln. If you look at the University of Washington's uh, numbers as far as when the peak is supposed to happen, and by the way, if you go to, and I'm going to conflate the two sites right now, if you go to the Western Illinois site, which isn't updated numbers-wise as of yet, Scott and I were talking about that during the break, that perhaps they wait until the Department of Health here in Illinois releases their daily numbers, and that's why it doesn't reflect the four new cases here in Adams County. Uh, the Western Illinois site has us at uh, the expected peak 
is in two weeks, 14 days from today. And I find that uh, an interesting place to put that peak date. Uh, they say that that uh, source is the IMHE. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> but the uh, University of uh, Washington uh, is, uh, uh, hang on, I've just got my papers all mixed up here in front of me. That would be the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. Okay. Which is, uh, they're an independent uh, out of the University of Washington. Okay. All where right. a lot of information is coming from. Okay. So the, that's where their their projections are coming from. Western Illinois is then uh, using that at mm -hmm. uh, their particular uh, sites. So uh, moving forward, uh, at least we'll have these numbers uh, from the government uh, each day uh, here in Illinois, and that's a good thing to see. Uh, it'll also be interesting to see how Missouri responds. I could have swore that uh, Governor Parson had put that shelter-in-place order in previously, but I guess that was just a quote-unquote suggestion previously, and now it's official. Right, yeah. Uh, he, had always, he had always talked about uh, social distancing and the importance of that, but he hadn't issued the stay-at-home order, and you see you saw counties acting on their own until you had, much like the schools, where you had a patchwork of areas and dates and, you know, all of them not coordinating, so now he just decided to clear the decks and everybody's home till the 24th. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, things, and I found my uh, University of Washington projections, uh, that, and we talked about this previously, that uh, even at peak, we will have enough uh, hospital beds here in Illinois. The area that we seem to be concerned about, or at least uh, University of Washington is concerned about, is those ICU beds. Apparently, at peak, we will be short there, uh, it, uh, along the terms of 500 uh, or so, a little over 500 at peak. That would be the concern, I would think, right now for the state and hospitals around the state to make sure that there can at least be uh, space for those who will need them within the coming couple of weeks and afterwards after we uh, peak. So uh, kind of interesting. Uh, these uh, new numbers. So this is, like I said, the kind of stuff that, that uh, we've been uh, looking for. Um, one of the things that Glennon points out is uh, that statewide totals don't mean a whole lot, especially when you start to break it down to particular regions. Shortages may be concentrated in particular areas unless, yes, I'm looking at you, Cook County. Um, he says the Department of Public Health uh, should publish this new data by hospital or group, if they can break it down to particular cities or regions. He says that wouldn't be hard to do either. He says California does that. A lot of other states are grouping the hospitalization numbers by city, county, or region. Uh, he says that's where the state should be looking to decide where to focus their efforts. And he says that's what we should expect uh, to see as uh, the public. Also, we would like to see those recovered numbers. Now, uh, talking about perhaps next steps... As we work towards that peak day uh, in a couple of weeks, Amanda Finicky, longtime reporter in Springfield, put out a piece that was widely covered uh, over the weekend that the governor has considered instituting temperature checks, uh, as is done at the Thompson Center right now in downtown Chicago. Um, do are, are there temperature checks when you go to the uh, uh, the, the the county courthouse or 
the city hall? Uh, I haven't been to the county courthouse in a bit, but not at city hall, no. But uh, uh, those are closed to the public, and the attendance is very limited. It's mainly the press and members of city hall government and things like that. So. Uh, Governor Pritzker says it's an interesting idea and something that he's looked at and considered. Um, in South Korea, they're taking people's temperatures as they come in to shop. Uh, I've heard stories of people traveling, traveling abroad where you get your temperature checked pretty much everywhere you go. And mm-hmm. if you have a, a fever, they call an ambulance and they take you away to an area where you can be checked further mm-hmm. for COVID-19. Um, also, the governor has uh, at least hinted at perhaps we may have to institute a curfew uh, and then allow a single member of a household to run errands. We've already talked about that being something that people should be trying to do anyway. Um, so, there, And he also mentioned uh, perhaps using last names to institute rotations for when people could go out in public as another possibility. Uh, of course, how you would enforce that, you would have to actually kind of have compliance from the public at this point in time in the land of Lincoln. Governor will be talking this afternoon at 2.30. I'm sure we'll have more after that. That is the Monday edition of the News Roundtable. We'll be back in tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. You should be here, too. The News Roundtable will reconvene tomorrow morning at 10.06 a.m. on AM 930 WTAD. Podcast available online at WTAD.com.